God, we thank you for your presence here today. I thank you so much for ministering to us, for being here. I thank you for the truth of your word, and I thank you that you desire to minister to us through your word today. I pray for a boldness to say what your heart needs to say, and I pray for each of us to have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the will to obey your word. And I pray for your ruach uh, to flow through me, that my flesh and myself would not be here, uh, but just your words to flow out of my mouth. And I pray that in Yeshua's name. Amen. For the sake of the podcast, again, because I'm not sure when they start the recording, and just in case anybody came in late, the rabbis just took a long weekend off after the high holidays for some rest. It's not a vacation, so they will be here Wednesday um, to just do that. So we are in the middle of our sermon series on spiritual warfare. And last week, Rabbi Michael started our series on spiritual warfare, and he covered three basic points for us. Number one, that we must understand the unseen realities of spiritual war. And he spoke about the example of Elisha's servant facing war and how he was unable to see the mountains covered with the horses and the fiery chariots that were on his side in the spiritual realm until God opened his eyes. His natural eyes could not see. And then he talked about how we must engage the unseen world and he spoke about Daniel praying and fasting and that how that engaged the spiritual realm. And then he said that we must speak to the unseen dimension. And he gave the example of how Yeshua spoke specifically against the demonic forces by saying, get behind me, Satan, even though it was Kepha speaking. And if that's confusing to you, go to the context of Rabbi Michael's message last week. But how Yeshua could recognize the spiritual forces behind the statement of a man and engaging that through speaking out against it. And he had the video clip of Invisible Enemies. I know that the audio was a little bit difficult to hear, but it really drove home the point of this unseen world, right, of the spiritual forces that are there. And the rest of the movie, if you've never seen it, I know it's like from 1980s. If you look, there was like a regular handheld phone, not even like a, pay, a cell phone anymore. But the, the principles are, are very profound in, in that video to show the realities of how easily we can be influenced by the spiritual realm without even recognizing that that is what we're influenced by. You know, and scripture speaks to that. Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, right, um, of the dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then Yochanan 10, it tells us what the purpose of the enemy is, right? To come and kill, steal, and destroy. So we know that. We know the reality of it. We're acknowledging that there is this spiritual realm. And there are principles that we need to apply, like Rabbi Michael said, to recognize, to engage, and to speak out against it. So this week I'm going to go and dig a little bit deeper, and I entitled this message... No trespassing. Now, if you come to the Engel home, my house, and you pull up to my house, besides my lovely landscape property, I have to give my dad credit. He loves it. He mows my lawn, and it looks beautiful. You're going to see a couple things. I got my message completed way too late to have a PowerPoint, so you guys are going to imagine with me now. You come up to my house, and at my door, 
it's obviously locked, so I have a keypad lock. You need to know the number to get in. You're also going to see that I have a, uh, it's not the ring, it's called the blink, same thing, different company, doorbell. So there's a camera attached, which is like a whole view of my street. And above my garage, I have a floodlight, right? So if you're coming up and it's dark, the light goes on. My um, backyard is fenced, my garage is locked, and then I have multiple cameras all around my house. And that's just my house. If you go to my neighbor's house, some people have um, no trespassing signs, no soliciting signs, beware of dog signs, and they have a full alarm system on their house that if you breach any of that, then it alarms. I think my mom's, my mom's house still has an alarm system on it. And why do we do that for our house? To protect, right? Protect our house from any unwelcome guest, right? We don't want anybody near our property, near our family, near our things, near the things that we love, we value, unless they're welcomed in. So we have all these means of protection to make sure that a light is going to flicker on, that a camera is going to alert our phones. Evan gets it all day long, right? The minute somebody's walking by that ring doorbell, he's like, oh, Amazon delivery came. So we're always alerted to anybody who's around, and we have locks on everything as a protection. So how much more should we take measures in our own personal and spiritual life? If we could do all that to protect our home and the physical things, how much more should we have measures of protection when it comes to our spiritual lives and when it comes to spiritual warfare? And like Rabbi Michael said last week, this isn't a series to spook us, right? We, we have to acknowledge that hell is real, but that God is greater. But there is a lesson to learn, right, to understand what we can do to keep hell where, where hell belongs, underneath our feet. So how do we do that? Because, you know, cameras work for our house, but a camera is not going to work against the spiritual realm, right? We do that by having clear boundaries. A life where we can say to hell, no trespassing. You cannot invade this space. And here are the boundaries that I am going to implement in my life to make sure that hell is there and I am here. You see, the physical boundaries of my home, it means you can only get to a certain point without being noticed and without being welcomed. There's only a certain point that you can get before I notice that you're on my property, and there's only a certain point that you can get before I welcome you in. I have boundaries in place to make sure that there's a parameter and a boundary there. And that is what we need to do in the spiritual realm and for our personal lives. 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, Hasatan, Hasatan, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Watch the Discovery Channel. Lions are scary, but they, they, they lurk looking for the isolated person, looking for the person who doesn't have a boundary or protection, seeing who they can devour. Genesis 4.7 what does it say? If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching out your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Listen to the message translation of this. If you don't do well, sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. It's out to get you. You must master it. Hell is always there lurking, but it's up to us to be in control of that. So I have one point for today. 
which is different for me. If you know me, I like my one, two, three points and all starting with the same letter. You're not getting that today. One point and one point only, right? If sin is crouching at our door, the one point that we need to learn today is we decide who we let in and who we don't. We decide what we let in and what we don't. And that is our point for today. The spiritual realm is real. Hell is lurking in every capacity of our lives. We have the capability of putting a boundary up and saying, I choose to let this in and I choose not to let this in. And we're going to go over several areas today. You see, throughout the scriptures, Adonai is always making a clear distinction between the holy and the profane. Between clean and unclean, between righteousness and unrighteousness, between spiritual living and worldly living, between what is holy and good and what is not. Clearly, in every aspect of scripture, you see God making that distinction. And some things fall obvious into these categories. The video that we saw last week, there was a part of me, I was like, I can't believe we're watching this in synagogue because, right, it was demonic, right? But it's important for us to see. Now, if something like that came knocking on your door, if you were here for the video, if you're not, it was a video of the demonic realm and it was demonic looking, okay? Simple. If something like that came knocking on your door in the physical realm, how many of you guys would answer the door and let them in? Go ahead, you can say it. Not me, right? It's, it's obvious. When it's clear like that, we'd be like, I would never let the enemy into my life if he came looking like that and acting like that. But it doesn't always work that way. And as I was doing this message, I was remembering we had um, somebody come knocking at my door. And he was with, he wasn't with PSEG. I think he was with another company, but working with PSEG to give us the offer of solar panels with PSEG, but it was a company who does solar panel, blah, 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 but it was a hot day and there were mosquitoes and I was like, oh, do you want to come in? And I invited them in, my, I mean, Evan was there, but I was like, you want to come in? And he sat with his little iPad and we're going through all these different things. And then when he left, I looked at Evan and I said, I didn't, he didn't even have any like ID badge or anything. Nothing that said PSEG, I don't even know the name of the company, so it doesn't even matter. Nothing that said the name of the company, just some random dude with an iPad who started talking about solar panels. And I was like, hey, come in, you want a cup of water? Now, in hindsight, Evan was like, I saw his ID badge, thank God for Evan. But for me, I, I didn't. And that's how sometimes the enemy works, right? It's not this clear, big, bad, demonic, hateful I'm going to be in your fit, right? He comes in these ways that are kind of subtle, and it makes this unclear distinction. And we think that we kind of have this neutral ground. But like Rabbi Michael said, nothing is neutral. So we have to be alert and aware to how the enemy tries to come into our life when it's not always so clear. We need discernment and the willingness not to compromise. If it's not of God and it's not godly, there ought to be a boundary. So let's go over some main areas in our life and how we can put boundaries in and tell hell no trespassing. Number one, in the company that we keep. 1 Corinthians 15, 13. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good character. Bad company does corrupt good character. Hear me very clearly. This does not mean that we do not associate with the lost. In fact, the lost, those who don't know Yeshua, come to Yeshua through relationship, 
with us through us being in relationship with them, finding opportunities to serve them and to love them and to speak life to them and to speak truth to them and to truly engage in relationship where they matter to you and you matter to them and you're establishing relationships and inviting them to service and being an example in their life. But it certainly does mean that you're not living their lifestyle alongside of them. You understand? We have to watch the company that we keep. So when we are associating with those who don't know Yeshua and don't live by the ways of the world, that we're not engaging in their lifestyle. And I'll give you an example. When I was a very baby believer, maybe I was less than a year in the Lord. I came here one Shabbat. I was outside in the foyer by the nursery. And I was like, oh, I went to a club last night. And I'm so proud of myself because I didn't drink. And I was such an example and I'll never forget the person who lovingly, lovingly challenged me on the company that I keep and the places that I go and the things that I ought to be doing as a child of God. Baby believer. And I took that. I took that counsel. And I, and I realized there are certain places and certain things that we do differently than the rest of the world as a believer and as an example of who Yeshua is. There ought to be boundaries that we set on our life and the company that we keep. We are meant to stand out, to look different, to be set apart. People should look at our lives and see Yeshua through our lives, through our actions, through the things that we do, through the things that we don't do, through the things that we engage in and the things that we abstain from. That should be a clear distinction, and part of it is in the company that we keep. And I encourage all of us just to listen to God and be open to his correction in your life. He'll show us what needs to be tweaked and what doesn't need to be tweaked. But there should be boundaries. In the second area, in society pressures, Rabbi Michael, oh look, I dropped all, one second. Every single paper was underneath my feet. Rabbi Michael touched on this last week about society pressures. And my scripture is Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of Adonai, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. So we see in the scriptures God always makes this distinction, like I said before, between holy and profane. But our society has those boundaries very blurred. And maybe that's an understatement. Blurred, I think they're beyond blurred right now. <laughs> right? Our society is run by the prince of this world, and there's no clear distinction. So everywhere that you go, for the most part, we are up against darkness and the deception that the enemy has, has brought into our society. What is accepted as the norm and what is tolerated and what is affirmed goes against many times the word of God. And our society embraces it and rejoices and celebrates and, and it, it's completely, right, what the scriptures say, what, what we call good to be evil and evil good. Our educational system, our society, it all has an influence on us. Rabbi Michael talked a little bit about our children in the school system. For us in my home, we don't currently homeschool. 
my kids are in the public uh, school system, but we talk frequently about how to navigate living our lives as strong believers, keeping our lives holy, and not allowing any of the profane to come in. And sometimes it means that my kids skip out on an activity. And sometimes it means they don't go to school on a particular day. And sometimes it means I'm emailing the school board or the superintendent about things that go on. I have to say I'm pretty happy with my school district, but there are things that do creep in that the rest of the world sees as neutral, that is not neutral, and I have to find a way to navigate that in the public school system and make sure there's a clear boundary. The boundaries at school are these are the educational topics that can be covered. When you went oh, go over that boundary, I begin to advocate and make sure that boundary is still there. It's not just for our children. It's every day for us. Okay, so when I started my new job, there was a boundary that I had to put very early on in the tasks that I was willing to do and the tasks that I absolutely was not willing to do. I'm not sure if I would still have a job because there was a certain task that to me clearly went against the word of God. And I had to call up my supervisor and I said, this is a task that I will not do for many reasons. First and foremost, because it goes against God. I said, and secondly, ethically, and thirdly, this. I said, so you have to find out and let me know if this is, if this is a boundary that you're willing to allow me to continue to work with that hard line. And there's a hard line for me at work. And thank the Lord in heaven, I still have my job. But there was a boundary, and it was initially scary because I didn't know how that was going to be perceived. I didn't know if I would still have a job, and I didn't even know how that was going to pan out. But there has to be this uncompromising boundary when it comes to society, when it comes to all these things that are blurred in the world that we can say, I'm going to keep this boundary here. I'm going to follow the will and the word of Adonai, and I will not compromise. And I will not allow hell to seep in in any capacity. Ephesians 5.11, it says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We are called to be set apart from the way that society is running. We're supposed to be going in a different direction, pulling them towards the word of God and the truth of God and exposing the deception for what it is. And this is in all areas. I know we're all going to go for the main topics, right? We talk about transgenderism and homosexuality and abortion and all these big things. But it's on the little things and the little areas of compromise. In all areas, we should be living that example. And we should be doing so full of love. There are so many conservative voices out there that are, quote, speaking truth, but doing so in such a condescending sarcastic and hateful manner and yet you're sitting there like well they have a point because they're conservative and they're speaking truth but they're not speaking truth in love with hope and with the truth of messiah attached to it and that's what we need to do is say i have a hard boundary here hell is not going to come in and make me compromise on the way that i think the way that i raise my children what my tasks are at work what i do but i'm going to be able to do it in love understanding that those who are participating are participating in it because they don't know the living god and they don't know messiah so i'm going to do it with a heart of compassion and love i watched a documentary i love 
I talk about him all the time. Dr. Michael Brown is almost one of my favorites because he addresses everything on mainstream media about our social, uh, our social and cultural revolution in such a way of love. And he has this documentary uh, called Created in His Image. It's on YouTube. And, and it talks about the confusion in the transgender world and, and how so many people have struggled. And it is such a message of love and hope and of healing and of the wounds that people have suffered and the reasons why they struggled so much in their sexuality, in their identity, and how God had set them free. And it is a beautiful example of what the love of God does to set people free. And that is what we ought to do. Here is my boundary. Hell will not make me compromise, but I will hold that boundary with a heart of love as I engage with everybody in this society and with the lost world. Our uncompromising ways mixed with compassion will be the fuel that this world needs to be set ablaze by the truth of God. Our uncompromising ways mixed with the compassion and the love of God is the fuel that this lost and dying world in spiritual warfare where hell is deceiving and keeping people bound up, it will be the fuel to set them ablaze to the truth of Adonai and to the freedom that they so need and so long for. Amen. Number three, the third area. Deciding what you let in and what you keep out. Social media, movies, TV, phone, and your books that you even read. For those of us who even read books anymore. I can't even remember the last time I picked up a hard copy of a book. That's awful. There's a song. If you know it, sing with me. I told everybody I was going to sing today. You ready? There's a song. I don't know. You guys should know it. It says, be careful little eyes what you see. For your father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. I don't even know. It's long ago, right? The whole song, watch. Be careful. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Because your father is looking down in love to make sure that you're not opening a door to the enemy. So be careful what you're allowing in by what you read, by what you watch, by what you're listening to, by what you're putting in. There's a more modern version of that song by Casting Crowns. Silly me put it in eight font over here. But I'll read you the lyrics. I'm going to wear my glasses one day. It says, be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go. For it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. When flattery leads to compromise, the end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say. For empty words and promises lead broken hearts astray. The journey from your mind to your hands is shorter than your thinking. Be careful if you think you stand you just might be sinking, and it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. A slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. 
and thoughts invade. Choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. Because people never crumble in a day. Daddies never crumble in a day. Families never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Be careful what we are letting in. There should be a hard line, a hard boundary in our lives of what we are allowing into our personal lives, our spiritual lives, our homes. And social media, movies, TV is one of the easiest areas that we all fall prey to. I'll never forget the time that I started watching a TV series. Don't even ask me after service. I'm not telling you the name of it. Number one, you should never watch it. Number two, I should never have watched it. I would be embarrassed to tell you what it was. I started watching a TV series, and I thought it was fine because it always starts out fine, right? And I started watching it, and I was like, wow. And I did one of those, like, binge watchings. You know, I was up till 2 and just episode after episode because that's what you could do when you have Netflix and all these things. You don't have to watch week after week. And I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm watching it. And then it turned a little questionable, and then it turned very questionable. And then it just turned flat out wrong and profane. And I struggled to turn that off because, of course, the storyline was just so good. And I had to know what happened. And there I was watching what I would not even give you the name of the TV show that I was watching. And I was watching it because one little compromise where the first scene came up and I was like, oh, maybe it's just the one thing. And before you knew it, I'm into the whole series watching what I would be mortified to tell you that I watched. And there I was engaging and participating and allowing it into my life until the conviction of God came and said, what are you doing? Now, the conviction came, and trust me, I ignored it the first four or five times, and then after that, I was just hooked. It's such an easy area for us, right? So easily accessible for us to be watching things that we ought not to be watching. I recently had a conversation with somebody that I know about the effects of pornography and how many people fall into that trap, how addictive it becomes, how, fall, how far into a depression and a life that they don't even recognize because they're constantly controlled by the pornography. And Rabbi Carol shared one Wednesday, you know, statistically speaking, and congregations are not ex exempt from statistics, right? We always think, well, oh, not here. Statistically speaking, and we're not exempt from that, there are people in this room and people watching on, online and listening via podcast that are struggling in this area. And my encouragement to you is to know there has to be a hard line with that. And if you are struggling, there are people here, the rabbis that can hold you accountable, and there are so many forms of accountability that are available for your devices. It is a way that the enemy creeps into our young people's lives. The person that I was speaking to was exposed to it as a young child, not even in their own home, but at a friend's house or a family's house and all these different things. And then it becomes something that you are hooked onto and addicted to that you wish this person that I spoke to wished that they could stop and tried to stop but couldn't stop because it's so much bigger than our own will and our own discipline. There ought to be a hard line and a boundary because hell comes in in any way that he can. And that is such a big area for our people across the board. 
Now, some of you guys are sitting here going, I don't watch pornography. I'm good. Woo-hoo, hallelujah for me. Everything is good. And that's not the case. That's not a struggle for me. But I struggled with the TV show that I was watching. And I'm going to take it a little bit further. Let God speak. This isn't me. Let God tell you what you should be watching, not watching, even when it's not so clearly evil versus good. I remember God recently spoke to me about a rated PG Hallmark movie. There was nothing wrong. There was nothing unclean about it at all. It's like some Christmas Hallmark thing that I was watching. But God knew my heart, knew what I was thinking, and challenged me on something as a result of that. And I said, God, you know me, and I'm going to turn this off. There was nothing unclean about it, but he knew the season of life that I was in, the reason I was watching this particular thing, and he spoke to my heart. So my question for you here, especially if you want to get yourself off the hook because you're not into pornography and you would never watch the profane show that Rena ever watched, so that's not you. Are you willing to allow God to speak to you for things that are seemingly neutral in your life but may not be the best for you in your season? Are you willing to say, God, is this a good book for me to read? Is this a good TV show? Are we willing for him to be the father in love that we don't have to just sit there and say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But say and be, be open to where he wants to say, not, not in this season. You're watching it with this motive. I know your heart. I know your heart. Put it down for now. Are we willing to listen to him? But there ought to be a line. Don't let the enemy come into your home through your TV, through your phone. I can't even tell you. I'm off Facebook now, though I hop on every once in a while. can't even tell you how many ways the enemy just comes in. You're, you're randomly scrolling, randomly scrolling through things that you think are clean, and before you know it, something has popped up. Be careful. A boundary. This is going to be used as a tool to communicate, to share the good news of Yeshua, to be in touch with my family and my children. But it's not going to be used as a tool for the enemy to come into my home. Tis my goal, not perfect. So you know, I'm not perfect in any of these areas, right? As the enemy comes to say, who am I preaching? I'm the person who struggles alongside of you and who has felt the effects of hell when I have compromised. But today is a day that I'm going to pay attention and say no trespassing in these areas. Area number four. It's only 1230 and I only have two more to go. In our finances. Ooh, toes. What does Rabbi Carol say? Your toes are crinkling? I won't park here long. But I will mention it. There's a principle of giving to God what belongs to him. And to not steal, not hold back what belongs to God. And there should be a boundary in our finances. Why? Because there is a level of freedom that you experience when you allow a boundary in your finances. When you're controlled in your finances and you're budgeted and you're giving to God what belongs to God, there is a level of freedom in your mind 
and the level of peace that you have when you can put your finances at the feet of Yeshua and trust him for every provision that you need. And so it's a boundary that we have in our life, first portion of everything, every unexpected check, every income, everything that comes in, first portion goes to God. And like I told you, it goes against the grain in terms of my personal way of doing things. I want to see my bank account numbers just go higher and higher and higher, and it doesn't matter what the number is, it's never good enough for me. It just, it's just not. I, I, it just needs to be as high as it could possibly be because that's just what was ingrained in me. But I always put that boundary in place regardless of how I felt. Regardless of how I felt and regardless of how tight it was. Can't even tell you how many times my mom has covered groceries. But to this very day, when I walk up into my house, and I cry, that we purchased in the middle of a pandemic, when I was first living in my parents' apartment, newly married, the brand new baby, paying them $200 just out of respect to cover the electricity and the water that I was using. To look into my house, that I even have a house, there's no doubt in my mind that it's a blessing from God. And for me personally, how he's honored our obedience. And I don't say that to brag, please hear my heart. But it is a principle that when we give to what is God, he is so true to his word that he gives back abundantly, far above what we could ever ask or imagine. I never dreamed of a house of far above and beyond. And I'll tell you the whole story of the numbers because I'm a numbers person. So if you like numbers, I'll even tell you how, how great of a testimony it is. But it's a heart thing. We were talking upstairs. Uh, my gosh, Yom Kippur. I'm like, what's the holiday? We were talking upstairs recently with somebody, and they were just talking about finances and Somehow the topic of the mortgage was due for the, the congregation. And, and the person had this like excitement of like, I can't wait till one day. I would love to be able to write out that check. And there was something in me that was like, I want to write out the check. And then I thought, think about this. Ask yourselves right now, if you had $250,000, would you want to keep it or give it? And for the first time, Right, because I'm a saver. I'd pay off my mortgage with that money, and then I'd have mortgage money to spend every month. For the first time, my heart was like, I wonder if I could write out the check. If I walked into, they, they, they're playing lottery at work. I, don't, I didn't do it. I, I'm not here to say you should or shouldn't, but I didn't, because if you gave me $250,000, I don't know what I would do. But for the first time, I said, I wonder if I could would do that. Just take all that money and give it away. And there was an excitement there. Right? Because there's a level of freedom that I don't need to have all the money in my bank account to be so high. Because I have seen time and time and time and time again that the more that I follow God's principles, the more he meets my every need without any attempt. And I'm so excited because if you know me at all, finances is the one area that gets me every time. There are so many times I did not go out and live my life and, and do events and do attempts because I had to save money. And I didn't have enough. And it has shackled me in a way that you wouldn't know because it's always there and don't do this and don't do that, right? Because money was, was a place that I, you, you can't trust that you have enough. What if a rainy day comes? What if something happens? You need, you need, you need save, save, save. It was a shackle for me. So now to think that, wow, I could, I'm even considering giving, that is a level of freedom, so I encourage you, there's a boundary around our finances for your freedom. Take it to God. 
be willing to take this area to say, no trespassing here. My God is my provider. My God is my provider. You cannot trespass in this area to make me afraid that it's not going to work out, that I'm not going to be able to pay the bills, that I'm not going to be able to meet my needs because my God is my provider. There's a level of freedom when you put a boundary there and when you give to God what belongs to him. Number five. Whoo, number five is my favorite. We need to put a boundary in the thoughts that we think. It is the greatest battle and an easy way for the enemy to keep us shackled up. The spiritual battle that we face the majority of the time is going on right here in what we think. The enemy is always lurking and looking for ways to sow in depression and anger and bitter and unforgiveness desperation and loneliness to keep you upset and afraid and confused and lost and it's like his little playground right here because he doesn't come in like the big bad scary pitchfork horn he just comes in with a thought that most of the times we think is our self-thinking second corinthians 10 5 demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and take captive every thought and make it obedient to the Messiah. We have to start recognizing what we're thinking. If you're anything like me, this is nonstop. Cooking dinner, my thoughts are God knows where. It's just nonstop worshiping. It's just nonstop. Nobody even knows it. You're sitting here listening to me and your thoughts are going right now. Nonstop. Start to recognize what you're thinking. Don't let it just go like that hamster wheel. Round and around and around and around. Determine if what you're thinking is holy or profane, godly and true. Filter them through the word of God. And then do what Rabbi Michael said. Acknowledge that there are unseen forces, that the enemy comes in in this way. And speak, engage the spiritual realm and speak out against it. I'm going to give you so many examples here. Thank you to all those who let me use you in my messages. Adeline, you're a champ. I'll give you an example of how thoughts work to sow discord and disunity in just different areas. So if you know, Adeline have been friends, I don't even, oh, Adeline's more like my sister than, than a friend. When I didn't have gray hairs, me and Adeline were friends. And now Adeline and I are co-workers. She's technically my superior for all intents and purposes. She's a superior over me. And we're navigating this new world of, you know, friends and congregational friends and, and co-workers. And uh, I was talking to her about something. It was no big deal, but I had shared something with her that somehow came up in conversation with another co-worker. And again, it was something little. It wasn't like a big secret that I told her in confidence, but it was just conversation. And when I first realized that that conversation came up with another coworker, I was miffed. That's a clean way to say it. I was miffed. And uh, Adeline doesn't know this part, but my thoughts started to get the best of me. My, my thoughts, right? And I went on and I was like, oh, she's so not trustworthy. Just, you know what, keep your boundaries. You don't need to talk to her personally. She doesn't need to be like a close sister to you. Just 
be cordial, be kind. You don't even need to make a big deal out of it. Just keep smiling. But just, you learned your lesson. She's not trustworthy. Call it a day and leave it at that. And I brood on this for a while. The other part of me, right, we all talk about oh, the devil and the angel, but the other part of me is like, why don't you just run it by her and see if there's context to it? Give her the opportunity. And I was like, just forget it. I knew, right, because before we started working together, I said, I don't know, what, what if we get into a fight if we work together? I'm not going to come work with you. It's going to be awful. We won't be friends. And Adeline's like, girl, we have enough God in us to, to figure this out. And my flesh was going on me, though. And I, I love you, Adeline, because you know we worked it out, right? My flesh was going on me of she cannot be such a close friend to you. She betrayed something that you said, and she is not trustworthy. And I was ready to just call it in my, of course, she would never know, but I, I would know. And I made a decision that night, and I gave her a call, and I said, I'm just confused how that came up in conversation. And she was like, oh, this is how it came up in conversation. I was like, oh, he, okay, to totally cleared the air on a hundred things, and it, was not a break of comedy. They, it just gave so much clarity, so much context, and everything that I was feeling was squashed like that. But that is because in that moment, I was able to make a choice in the thoughts that I, were think, that I was thinking to not continue to feed all of that. And I also approached her in a way to say, can you explain this because this is how I saw it. I did not go to her as the devil's parrot and say, I don't think you're trustworthy. I don't think what you did was right. Me and you can't be friends, and now you could try and explain yourself. I wasn't his parrot. I was able to say, hey, can we just talk on this because I totally took it this way. And it cleared the air and gave a context that she was nowhere close to doing what I thought that she was doing. Now, I say that because why? Was it my thoughts? Yeah, sure, it could have been my thoughts. But is it possible that the enemy was there lurking and giving me some thoughts so that this friendship that's been here for over 20 years, where we're a godly pair and trying to make a dent in the places that we work and here at the congregation, sows some discord so that now I don't view her as trustworthy or a friend anymore? Yes, that is how the enemy works. All the time. And we fall prey to it because I was feeling miffed and hurt and betrayed and all of those things that I had one perspective on that felt real and legit to me. And the enemy was pouncing and saying, what relationship can I devour today? Using my own feelings and a legit situation that I only had half a story to. I told you this is my favorite one. He's there to poke at our flesh and get us stirred up in so many ways. I was listening to a clean comedian, Jeff Allen, actually was an atheist that became a believer. Funny guy, too. And he was telling the story of how he became a believer. I believe he was struggling with alcoholism. And back in the day when there was audio tapes that you used to listen to, audio tapes, does everybody here know? Okay, you guys are old enough. There was audio tapes of, of the Bible that were, that were there, and he said that he would walk by, like there was a pile in his living room, and he's, he said he felt this struggle. 
like listen to one and at the same time that's not for you there's nothing in there for you and he goes I wasn't understanding I could flip the TV on I never would make a second thought but when it came to these pile of, of books here there was an internal war going on inside of me what is that the unseen world the forces of hell trying to tell somebody don't Pick up the audio tapes with the word of God. There's nothing in there for you. Why? Because there was freedom in life for him. And where did that battle take place? In his thoughts. In his mind. It's the biggest battleground. And he comes all the time. The women were upstairs for Havarut night. Wonderful time. And Rabbi Carol was sharing how she was on a ministry call. And somebody was talking about their ministry. And how she struggled for three or four days after that. Because she started to compare and feel discouraged. And I mean, I don't want to put words in her mouth, right? But like as if her ministry was not comparing to, to theirs and how it was such a hard thing for her. And she goes, the enemy came into a good, godly meeting of sharing ministry and planted a thought in her mind that she wasn't doing good enough. But it starts as what we think is our own thoughts. And there the enemy is, just feeding on it and praying on it. And we're trying to live our lives and we're smiling and we're worshiping. And meanwhile, in here, we're battling. You can't give the enemy a seat at your table. There was, I think I shared it with somebody, a, another YouTube pastor that I was watching. And he's like, the enemy doesn't come like that big scary demon that we, we saw up there. He comes like a... I was going to say Goomba in Italian. He comes like your friend to sit down at a table with you and says, hey, how's it going? How's your marriage? Oh, yeah, still struggling? Yeah, you're doing great holding on for as long as you held on for. I mean, I couldn't have done that. You've been there forever. For me, man, I would have left like 10 years ago. But, you know, if you can keep tolerating that kind of garbage, I guess, you know, I mean, Maybe God could answer your prayers, but, you know, good for you. And those types of conversations. All the ways. I think of my mom. My mom referenced this at the, the women's Havarut as well. She got into a major car accident. It was awful. Overturned. I mean, awful. And the pain in her shoulder, her life has never been the same since. Right? How does the enemy come against her? He reminds her of that pain almost every time. To try and instill fear. Do you remember? Anytime I say, hey, mom, can you pick up the kids? It's a battle for her. She wins. My mom is driving a car. Let me tell you right now, she has won that battle because she said she was never going to get behind the wheel of a car. Why? Because the enemy comes, and he doesn't come and say, you're going to die today in a car accident. He says, you remember that pain? Oh, your shoulder. That was the worst experience of your life. I mean, you made it, but it was awful. You couldn't go to the bathroom by yourself. You couldn't take a shower by yourself. You couldn't walk by yourself. You've come a long way, but that was so difficult. You didn't even expect it. Yeah, God preserved your life, but it's not the same. He comes in those subtle ways. How often? All the time. I tried to look on Amazon. They didn't have it in bulk. But you have to take that little stick that says no trespassing and put it right here on our thoughts. You cannot have the space of my thoughts with your lies, with your deception, with your fears, with your temptations, with your taunting. You cannot have this space of my thoughts 
We have to be in the practice of filtering everything through the word of God and making sure that we are not dwelling and having a conversation literally with the spiritual forces and principalities of hell. Again, he doesn't come in like a scary demon. He comes in in a conversation to get your brain thinking and believing in certain ways which ultimately affect your actions. Guard your thoughts. Put a boundary there and make sure when those thoughts come, you take it captive in the name of Yeshua. Number six, a boundary in the words that we speak. Watch what you say to yourself and to other people. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The message translation, listen to this. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Sometimes we're the ones speaking words that we ought not to be speaking. This might make you laugh, and it's okay if it's funny, but I learned a lesson. You know, if, if you would have come to me a couple years ago talking about your marriage or your husband, I remember one time specifically, I said it seriously. I said, Stop doing the laundry and leave him with dirty underwear. Teach him a lesson. And I meant it, right? Because whatever the conversation was and whatever it was, in my mind, that person was just so wrong because I'm judge and jury and I'm God myself. So I thought in my pride, take that in context if anybody ever tries to edit this online, right? I was easily like, this is how you handle the situation. Retaliate and teach a lesson to another believer, okay? That person should have said to me, get behind me, Satan. Because as funny as that is, and that's okay, because, right, if you think about it, it stinks for you, no clean underwear. As funny as that is, and as funny as it may have been received, that is sowing disunity in that situation. As a woman of God, that's my advice to you because I allowed my flesh to get the best of me and tell you to do something in your marriage that's going to cause more of an argument and more disunity. The words that I spoke could have had ramifications in somebody else's marriage because sometimes we are careless with the things that we say. Now, hopefully I have grown and matured, so if you come to me now in any capacity, I do everything that I can to tell you the word of God in your situation. And most of the time, that person hopefully leaves encouraged and hopeful, and then I leave encouraged and hopeful. But it's not always easy because the flesh can rear its ugly head more often than I would care to admit. But the words that we speak have the power of life and death, poison or fruit. What are we speaking into other people's lives? Are we filtering it by the truth and the word of God only? Are we allowing our flesh to get in there? Or truth be told, are we sometimes the devil's parrot? 
whisper on the podcast, whisper in our ear, and it comes right out of our mouth. We have to guard our words. And we have to guard the words that we speak over ourselves. This one's even harder. You know how to say the right thing to other people, but are you saying the right thing over your life? God totally challenged me, right? Every negative thing that every person has ever said is like a, uh, it's like the, f- the file cabinet, right? It's like number one, always there. And I'm always repeating it in my thoughts and out loud all the time. You guys know me. How many times am I constantly repeating negative things over myself just constantly? That's not life over me. It's not life over you. Watch the words that you speak over yourself. And watch the words that you say at all. Are your words holy? Are they lifting people up? Are they speaking life? I had a friend once tell me, listen to this. I found this odd. She said, yeah, North, Northeastern believers curse the way that Southeast believers smoke. I had to follow that for a little bit. As if it was this norm from her perspective that the people in the Northeast, believers, curse and it's embraced, their cursing is embraced the way that the people in the South who are believers smoke. I think cigars. I don't think she meant cigarettes. not like there's a, a distinction. And I had to pause for a second because it felt like an oxymoron to me. Believers who curse. And I said, oh, I can't picture it. Could you picture Dr. Michael Brown on his radio broadcast dropping a couple of curses? I mean, could we picture it? Could you picture in conversation Rabbi Michael or Rabbi Carol dropping any of the, quote, baby curses that are not such a big deal? Could we picture it? If you ever heard it, wouldn't you be like, we would take a step back if it came from them. And then we say, well, leaders are called to a higher standard. But the truth is we're all called to holiness. Are the words that are coming out of our mouth matching that holiness? When we're angry, are we sinning in that anger? Are we allowing our speech in all capacity to be words of holiness? Because it's all these little compromises what the enemy tries to come in and it changes everything. Because if you start to compromise here a little bit and you compromise there a little bit, before you know it, you're not living a holy life. And that's great for the enemy. It's great for the enemy. What's even greater is if you think you are living a holy life and you're living in compromise and you have no clue. Preaching to myself here. For the record, preaching to myself. I have never been perfect in that area. But Lord, help me if I would ever say that it would be okay for profanity to come out of my lips without repentance behind it as a woman of God. And so if that's us, and we say, wow, man, I haven't watched the things that I say to other people, the things I speak over myself. 
I'm one of those people who slips up in profanity all the time, but they're not big curses, they're little curses. It's very simple. Recognize it. Recognize it and clean it up. There was a blurred boundary in your life with your words. Now you're going to put that boundary there. There's a no trespassing sign coming out. Only holy words are coming out of my mouth. Repent of it. Renounce the way the enemy has allowed you to compromise in that area, and you replace it with words of life. Every time you speak, you're going to do everything in your power to make sure that there are words of holiness in life. And the enemy loses ground in that area in your life. Our entire lives, we are called to be holy. But that takes us being on guard and setting boundaries. Because the spiritual warfare that we're in, it's not just about the life that we live, but it's about eternity. And we are the influencers. We are the ambassadors. We are the people that bring the truth of God and the love of God to other people. So that when we are compromised or when we are under the power of the spiritual realm and of hell because we are discouraged, because we are depressed, because we are struggling, because we are not in freedom, because we are shackled, because we are listening to the lies and the voices of hell, we lose some of our influence and our capacity to reach people with the power that we truly have. We have to keep these boundaries in place for ourselves, but for other people. And I'll close with this. I mentioned this again at our Hover Root Night. I don't know how I found this video. I don't know who posted it. I would love to find it again. But I don't even know who the person was. They gathered a bunch of unbelievers. Some were atheists. Some were agnostic. Some were people who initially grew up in the, in the congregational world or the church world or had a background and walked away. And they brought them all into a room. And they played the entire series of The Chosen start to finish. I don't even know how long that took, but they all agreed to it. They played the entire thing, and then they were interviewed afterwards. And every single one of them, I have the chills now just saying it, every single one of them when they were interviewed said how much they fell in love with the character of Yeshua. Every single one of them. And how when they watched it, they said, that is a person that I can relate to. That is somebody that is loving. And they just spoke of Yeshua. But the more that they spoke, they spoke about why they were struggling with their belief. Because a majority of the religious world that they encountered and the people that they encountered were not what they saw in Yeshua. That was their answer. From the church world and the believing world and the people that they encountered, they did not encounter what they saw in the series of the chosen through Yeshua. And they were tainted in some capacity. Some were bad. Some had abuse in, in, in the church world. Others were just interactions. And they were tainted because of their interaction with people who carry the name of God but not showing the character and the love of God. Selah, pause on that. The spiritual warfare is real. Because if, if the enemy can take the words that we say and then plant a thought in somebody else's mind, it's going. And listen, this is not a message of condemnation. Because nobody's perfect. 
And God turns everybody's life around, right? His, his will is that none would perish. But it is a message for us to be sober and alert to the ways the enemy would love to intertwine in every aspect of our lives to keep us from freedom and to keep us from being used to bring freedom to other people. So I'll end my message with this. We are called, Matthew 5, 16, to let your light shine. And 1 Kepha 1, 15, to be holy in all of your conduct. That is our calling. And we do that in freedom when we can put hard boundaries against hell. And literally tell him in every area of our life, I am called to be a light unto other people and to live holy you may not trespass in this area. It is the greatest summary of James 4, 7. If you submit yourself to God and resist the enemy, he must flee from you. In every area of your life, your thoughts, your social media, your TV, your finances, the things that you say, the things that you think, are you willing to say, I am submitting this area of my life to God. I resist the enemy. No trespassing here. And he must flee from you. There's a place of freedom and victory, of great rejoicing in our lives when we get that principle. And a great place of influence in the lives of other people. Can you stand to your feet? I'll pray for you. Adonai, I thank you so much for this series, and I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, God, that we uh, would hear your heart this day. Right now, in the name of Yeshua, I come against every spirit of condemnation, of shame, of guilt. I thank you, Lord, that your word is here to bring conviction, which just brings change. It means that you give us an opportunity to repent and to start new with you. So I come against all of that in the name of Yeshua, and I just speak blessing over each person here today, God. None of us are perfect. Myself is prime example of that. We have all fallen short of living holy lives. And there are areas, God, that we have allowed some compromise and the enemy to come in. And I just pray right now, Lord, that we would begin to recognize very specifically some of the blurred lines that we have allowed. I pray, Lord, that we would repent of those things, a simple prayer. God, I don't want to live that way of compromise. I want to be diligent and alert and, and aware. I pray against this, this concept of, of legalism, God, but that we would just have a heart to say, God, show me. Show me what I should be thinking on. Show me the words to say. Show me what I should be watching. Guide me. Be my, my guide in every aspect, God, that we would embrace it in a loving way, God. Not a heavy way, not a condemning way, not a legalistic way, not a way that we're afraid that we're never going to be perfect, but a way to know that we can honor you and live holy lives so that we truly could be free from the tactics of hell and that we could be influenced, uh, allow it be used to influence the lives of other people for your kingdom. So God, I pray, God, that you would take this message, God, that every uh, good piece of meat, every truth, that was conveyed would be filled in our hearts. And I pray that in Yeshua's name. Amen. Stretch out your hands. I will bless you.
May the Lord bless and keep you, and may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Shabbat shalom. Go in the peace, the goodness, the glory, the victory, the great rejoicing of Adonai, and keep the enemy where he belongs, under your feet. Amen.